the CU 2.0 podcast. Welcome to the CU 2.0 podcast. This is your host, Robert McGarvey. Today's guest, Carl Memnon, co-founder, COO of Grain Technology. It's a New York-based fintech startup doing something very interesting. What they want to, what Grain wants to stop is overdraft fees. It also wants to help thin file people, particularly younger people, recent college graduates, uh, develop a credit profile. And they have some tools that will allow them to do that. It's a tool that essentially piggybacks on top of an existing checking account. Of course, in that light, they're looking for some credit union partners. By at the end of the podcast, Memnon talks at length about what's in it for credit union partners to meet up with grain technology. It's an interesting story, uh, particularly particularly if, like me, you think that overdraft fees are an evil, not a necessary evil, just an evil evil. And Carl and I talk about the evilness of overdrafts in this podcast, among many other things. But it's, it's an interesting set of problems he's dealing with. He's trying to help a generation improve its credit scores, avoid bouncing checks, overdrafts and get more settled into the world financially. At the same time, what Grain is attempting to do is to help level the playing field technologically for smaller institutions so that they can offer technology that's every bit as good and as cool as the top five money center banks, all of whom have the best technology imaginable, a fact that they do not let their customers ever forget. And it's hard for credit unions to stay on that playing field on a level basis. But with little help from organizations like Grain Technology, you can even up a bit. This is cool stuff. Listen to it. It's a good podcast. Let's start with what, what Grain does and then tell me how the idea came together. What Grain essentially does, and I, I guess I'll take a, a bit of a step back, and it, it'll somewhat speak into how this idea came together. We were looking to create a tool that really helps people in our situation, um, meaning young professionals who want to develop credit but who are wary of uh, falling into credit card debt. And when we started out, what we realized is that our options were sort of limited in terms of providers meaning three or four of the largest financial institutions hold approximately 75% of the market share, right? We believe that the way those institutions provide credit can be approved upon, um, and that presented a unique opportunity to capture some of that uh, 75% market share. So basically, you know, the way we look at credit, we, we think it should work better for consumers um, and overdraft fees in particular. So we, we started off with with that premise and then developed a solution as uh, based on that. So Essentially, what we did is we created a, a, a program that bridges the gap by providing millennials and Generation Z an alternative um, to traditional credit cards that specifically is designed to address their reticence around credit cards, because that is the main issue with millennials and Generation Z, which is the fact that they don't want to open up credit card accounts because they have a, a fear of falling into additional debt. And that is with good reason, right? You know, the, the credit card debt in the United States has reached $870 billion 
um, as of December of, of last year. So there, there's reasons behind that. So essentially what Grain does is as an alternative to a credit card, once you connect with us, um, we analyze your income and your spending personality to allocate and segregate savings funds and to also develop a personalized credit profile and account for that user. And then that user is uh, provided with a uh, personalized responsible, which is very important for us, um, revolving line of credit based on their unique spending. You're using an entirely different algorithm from the traditional ones, right? Absolutely. We're, we're very different in, in that way and in, in some other ways. But to your point, yeah, we're leveraging data and algorithm that um, is largely ignored by the credit industry in order to, to issue revolving credit. Our machine learning technology enables us to issue credit but in a way that's tailored to each user's particular spending pattern. And that greatly minimizes the charge-off risk while at the same time helping that user build a credit score and, and improve their financial health. Tell, tell me a little more about how you use spending pattern. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So essentially, the, the way we use spending patterns is essentially to see um, how that user spends their money, and that's somewhat rhetorical, but like their cash flow and how responsible they are, how much their savings, what their credit maintenance is, what's their income to debt ratio, income to liability ratio. All of those things are fed into our algorithm, which is uh, proprietary, proprietary technology that we developed. And from that, a profile for that user is developed with a, a credit limit and, and repayment schedule and also how much they can save each time. Now, many of that demographic isn't saving anything, right? Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a very good point. So you'll, what we found in our research is that older generations had a much higher savings rate, closer to the 10% that's recommended. Millennials, while they are, millennials and Generation Z, while they are very aware of the need to save, one of the challenges they have is actually following through on those savings. And that's one of the functionalities that we include, which is essentially looking at their income and automatically taking that step to save a certain amount for them. And the good thing about the way we do it is that we have a very good view of their financial circumstance in order to do that in a way that doesn't you know, affect their day-to-day -day spending. Now how do, how do these, these young people save? And I, I say that with great sympathy since Unlike my generation, so many of these kids are graduating owing $100,000 in, in college debt. And it's just, it's staggering amounts of indebtedness. Yeah, and that's a very good question. How they save is, depending on their circumstance, potentially very little. But the, the main focus and principle underlying our platform is that it's better to take little steps, meaning grow grain by grain, which is somewhat, which is the, the idea behind our, our name. Even if you're only saving a little bit over time, it's better to start saving and developing that emergency fund than not doing it at all. And so when somebody doesn't have the ability to save a lot, they're less likely to do it themselves. But when our technology recognizes that you can save a couple dollars, even if it's just a couple of dollars, we will do so. And over time, that will improve that person's financial health. How does the user approve this decision making? So essentially, the, the application has a trigger, a, uh, a banner rather. So when our technology analyzes the user's account at any point in time um, and makes a determination, hey, you can save X amount of dollars or you need X amount of credit, a banner will appear and the user will interact with that banner to determine whether or not they do indeed want to take the credit or do indeed want to save. And more often than not, based on 
the the data that we have in the market now users will take that action to save and it's not really a a proactive action right it's more of saying okay you can do this um and users are are okay with that and it actually encourages them to do those positive behaviors now many people in, in these generations view credit as evil right <laughs> yeah yeah um and you know somewhat with good reason right the credit card industry, you know, and for, for lack of a better word, can be somewhat predatory. Our approach to credit is always user first, meaning we have built a product that specifically meant to improve that user's financial health. And so when we're looking at the, the amount of credit they can afford and the associated interest rates, what we're looking at is, you know, how much money does that person or credit does that person need in order to, to meet their financial obligations, in order to improve their credit score, but at the same time, make certain that they're not taking on more debt than they can afford to pay back. And that is a fundamental, a fundamental importance to us um, because that really goes to the heart of improving someone's financial health around credit because debt, as I mentioned before, is, is a big problem across uh, many generations, in particular millennials and, and Generation Z. Now, the user to use Grain has to have a checking account, a traditional checking account, right? Yes, that's right. And so essentially the way we are bringing this product to market goes back to what I mentioned earlier in terms of, uh, of the large market share uh, that the top three banks hold. Essentially what we're doing is we are providing a way for that user to maintain their existing bank account, but also leverage credit and savings functionality that works better for them. So we're bank agnostic, and we specifically are targeting the larger banks and bringing them to our smaller um, financial institution partners. Um, and so we're bank agnostic. If you have Bank of America, Chase, whatever it may be, you log in with your checking account, and from then you have a grain account. Could they block your access to the data? Could they? Well, if they block the access to the data, then they couldn't be part of the program, right? So it's it's one of those threshold things. We need for them to connect to the bank so that we our algorithm can determine those things that I mentioned around credit and savings. How will you get this get the name Grain in front of potential users? And there there are a number of ways that we're doing that. Um, the the mediums in, include um, podcasts like this, a lot of social media, some actually on the ground marketing. We're working with students. Um, in Arizona right now to to specifically address their concerns around credit and get an understanding of how they view credit. The, the important part about that is those juniors, seniors um, in college are going to be those professionals in the next coming year that are going to support and help grow the various banking institutions. And so it's really important for us as a company to know what they want from a credit provider and what their concerns are around credit. And so we're working very closely with them as well. And all of that sort of translates to sort of a, a grassroots marketing campaign that we're deploying. Now, what's to, what's to stop Chase from looking at this saying, hey, this is pretty cool. We think we'll do it. And we don't need you, by the way. I think, you know, one of the things that is, is paramount to us and sort of underpins our offering is the idea of trust and the idea that this product was built with you in mind and not necessarily to uh, increase our bottom line, right? I think, you know, users are smart. Millennials and, and Generation Z, they're avoiding credit cards because they're smart. They, they see the landscape, 
they understand sort of the, the predatory ways in which they can potentially end up in more debt than they can afford. And so I think, you know, our approach and the way we're entering the market will engender more trust from that generation than a big bank that uh, is the cause of some of their issues at the outset coming out with something and saying that this is we're here to help you now after we charged you, you know, hundreds of dollars of overdraft fees and, and late payments. Um, you know, now we're here to help. We're starting off with we want you to never have to pay an overdraft fee. We want you to never have to pay a late payment. And our product is designed to do that. And what generates your, your cash flow? What generates our cash flow is just uh, net interest from the credit advances. So think about um, it like a, a credit card, but much, much cheaper and one that's guardrails um, to make sure that you aren't spending or taking on more debt than you can afford. So what kinds of interest rates are, are you thinking about? Right now we're in the market with 12% APR and that can go up to 15.99% APR, uh, depending on different factors. One of the, the functionalities that we have as part of our, our, our platform is an automatic repayment. Um, and that just allows our technology to analyze your income and when your cash flow is such that you should make a, a payment. And that sort of helps avoid late payments, right? And helps you manage your credit and your credit balance. So that's uh, that's just one of the ways in which the functionality works in that way. Now, have you explored some kind of partnership with any of the many new style digital-only banking products? Yeah, so we, we recently opened up our platform for uh, additional partners. Um, we have not uh, worked with any digital-first uh, financial institutions, but certainly I think when we're thinking about the partners that we want to bring on in the next a month or so before we deploy our most recent update. You know, we're looking at innovative technology focused uh, banks that are that are nimble, right? That, you know, see the future in, in terms of digital banking and, and where the industry is going and, um, you know, want to be part of that growth. What what kind of dollar amounts are you envisioning for cash advances? It really depends on the user. Um, and so, you know, a particular user circumstance may be such that their income is very high um, and therefore they require larger advances because their spending patterns are on a higher band, right? In contrast to a student who, you know, has very low income, if at all, and, you know, their spending is also not that high. And so their credit advances will be lower and their limit will be lower. So when I say that we're, we're analyzing spending personality and spending data to develop a a personalized account. Um, I really mean that every account and the way every account is treated is unique to that particular user and their spending personality, how they spend money, um, what their liabilities are, things of that nature. Will you do amounts as small as say five dollars? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it, it depends on on the user, um, but I'll say there there's nothing in our technology that has sort of a minimum. Um, advance amount, practically speaking, an advance of $5 just won't really, you know, move the needle in terms of what someone may need for credit. But there is no minimum. I think generally what we see on the low side is about 25 to 50 in terms of, you know, students who need a little extra cash and just how you would use your credit card. They, they use great. And what, what would you see as the maximum? Oh, the maximum, yeah, you know, same circumstance, it, it depends, but, you know, we can see the maximum being anywhere from, you know, a thousand to uh, a couple thousand, depending on that particular user. Right now we're in beta and we're, we're not making advances that large, 
but certainly down the road, you know, we can see that happening right now because we're in beta, we are limiting the the limits uh, and the amounts of advances while we continue to develop the, the technology and, and get more data from users. So roughly speaking, we're talking about a range between 25 bucks on the low side and maybe 2,500 on the, on the high side. Yeah, and, and, and I wanna make sure we're not conflating the, the concepts of credit advance and credit limit. So the advance itself is literally an injection into the user's existing debit card that changes, for all intents and purposes, their debit card into a credit card because there are credit funds on that. And, and that, that is sort of the credit advance. And like, as, as I said, you know, that can vary anywhere between, you know, 50 and a couple thousand if somebody, you know, is a high spender, right? I mean, can sustain that spending, which is very, very important. That, I want to distinguish that credit advance concept from credit limit, which is um, the the limits of the revolving accounts that each user has, right? And so that'll vary anywhere between uh, $250 to upwards of, you know, several thousand. Right now, we're keeping that credit limit at 500 Take, take me through how this works. I, I go to, I'm a grain user. I go to Starbucks with some friends. I pull out my debit card to pay for my latte. I know I have no money in the account, nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I swipe it, I buy a latte, it's five bucks. Mm-hmm. What happens then? If you have no money in your account, meaning you have less than, let's just say, $20, Grain will know that before you do, right? We will know what the pending transactions are, and we will actually anticipate your future spending and do an injection of credit in order to avoid going overdraft. But in a circumstance where, let's say, you've done a couple of pending transactions and you have, let's say, you know, $5 in your account, and you are swipe the card for, you know, $7, right? And so you are potentially going to get hit with an overdraft fee. We will see that transaction at the time and help that user avoid the overdraft fee by making a credit injection. Cool. That's, I mean, what, what, what's an overdraft fee now? I, I see numbers, 30 bucks, $35. Seems yeah, like. 30 and 35 is, is what we're seeing. And, you know, it, it, I don't know, depending on where you stand, that doesn't sound like a lot, but certainly what happens is over time and users, uh, consumers don't even realize this, they may end up spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars um, on overdraft fees. And that's not even to mention, um, you know, what they may potentially suffer on the credit side uh, with respect to APRs uh, and late payment fees. And so we, we want to help uh, our users avoid all of those. It drives me nuts when credit unions and other financial institutions tell me they're consumer friendly, consumer first. And then you look at the financials and half their profits come from overdraft fees. Yeah, that's real friendly. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're entirely uh, affordable. When you think about an overdraft fee, essentially it's credit that you're paying a lot for. And, you know, you can go over a dollar and be charged $35. And so we don't see that as equitable and we're in the market to sort of change that. The, the fee structure also goes back to, to the old analog world where mm-hmm. a bounce check was a real hassle. That's now, right. Now it's just bits and bytes, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you present your Visa card, it's declined at, at, at the uh, CVS counter. They don't say, and by the way, you now owe us 25 bucks for giving us this card. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they just say you can't have your cough syrup. That's yeah. all. 
<laughs> that's, that's exactly right. And those, those fees are based on a legacy, you know, business model that just doesn't work in today's market for today's consumers. So now why are you in the Arizona FinTech Sandbox? The, the Arizona FinTech Sandbox um, is really, it's, it's a great program. It's headed up by the Arizona AG's office. It's essentially a regulatory sandbox for certain types of financial products and services uh, that would be available in Arizona. And it allows a participant uh, to uh, obtain access to the Arizona market and test those products without going through uh, all of the uh, necessary uh, licensing procedures uh, in Arizona. And so we joined um, because it provides a space for companies like ours to innovate, to provide better services to consumers. Otherwise, it would be very difficult for us to bring something like this to market or for anyone to bring something like this to market because, you know, there is there can be um, you know, onerous processes that take a lot of time and that take uh, a lot of capital and don't leave a lot of room for smaller companies with big ideas to innovate. And, you know, we wanted the opportunity to offer a way for an individual with no credit history or a thin file, uh, such as a student, to uh, affordably access and increase credit. And they were uh, happy to have us there to, to innovate. And so it's been a great program um, and the Arizona market is great. You know, we, we really... Um, enjoyed working with the AG and bringing this product to Arizona. What uh, Arizona universities are you working with? Yeah, right now we're working with uh, Arizona State University primarily uh, and students there. Um, but our, our, our plan is to expand to the other public universities um, in Arizona and, and reach their students as well in a very grassroots way. And so in the next couple of weeks, we'll actually be having an event on campus or, or with students from Arizona State University. Uh, to introduce them to grain, to speak about financial literacy, and, and to really get their thoughts about how credit should work for them. Because ultimately, in the next five, 10 years, um, you know, the, the current users or cu uh, customers are going to age out, and these are going to be the new customers. So we need to be ready to, to provide services for them. Well, I, I also know that they have some grave economic problems. Uh, Arizona State, for instance, has had a history of, of student-run food banks handing out free food at the end of the month to other students who were out of money and out of food. Tragic. It's sad. These kids don't have any, literally have nothing to eat. And, uh, yeah, and I, I was not aware of that program, but, and then I'm a little taken back because I, I didn't know that was the case, but I, I, I'm glad that Grain is there and Grain could potentially, you know, provide some relief for those students and, and sort of bridge that gap between, you know, what they have and what they need. In many cases, these are kids who have run out of money in the last few days of the month. And maybe, for all I know, they, they had a big drunk two nights, two weeks ago and spent, <laughs> spent all their food money. So I, I don't know the circumstances, but I, I do know that running out of money is a common issue at Arizona State and probably at many other universities, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you know, when I was in college, you know, way back when, there were times when I ran out of money. And, you know, my, my good friend in college had a credit card and he used his credit card often. But when he graduated, he graduated with a lot of credit card debt. And, and speaking with him the other day about you know how great works he was saying yeah i really could have used a product like this um so that i didn't end up with so much debt right out of school potentially it's potentially a very useful product for people getting by on a thin margin expenses versus income absolutely and it, it can certainly be a tool for those people but it, it's a good tool for those who also want to improve their credit score so a lot of um 
people coming over um, from other countries or who just have not opened up a credit card for, you know, maybe some of the reasons I mentioned before, but they actually have good incomes. They want to build credit, but not use a credit card. We provide a way for them to do so. So they can, you know, lease that car, um, rent that apartment, buy that house. One thing people don't talk a lot about is that not having a sufficient credit profile is actually expensive. And so we want to help both those students um, and people coming up and who perhaps have very um, limited budgets to make ends meet and increase credit. But at the same time, there are individuals who, you know, have significant incomes and um, are not necessarily on a very small budget, but who want to improve their credit score. And that is one of the things that we're also helping those people do is to help improve their credit. Now, how do you help improve the credit score? This in the same way that a credit card does, right? So anybody who wants to sort of develop a credit profile, um, the first thing that will likely happen is you'll be in college and you'll get an offer for a credit card, right? And that's where a lot of people end up getting in trouble. The people who avoid that and don't go down that sort of credit card trap still need to build credit. And we are essentially a credit card, but without the hardware, right? We're using your existing hardware to provide credit and we report to the credit agencies like your credit card would. And so like a credit card, we are um, helping to improve that person's credit, but without the down the downsides of a credit card. I want to make sure that one thing that we um, emphasize is it's not a short-term relationship. The credit we provide is a revolving line, meaning that we we have a long-term relationship with that user in the same way you'd have a long-term relationship with your credit card provider, right? And over time, we report. So the longer, what credit card, what um, credit agencies take into account is things like payment schedule, length of relationship um, and credit limit, right? And so in the same way, we report those data sets in order to improve that individual's credits. That's cool. I, I, I know in Phoenix, where I live, many young people running apartments need a co-signer. Mm. They don't have a credit history. Yeah, um, you're right. And it's, it's weird. When I was a kid, no 22-year-old had a credit history, but now you're supposed to have one. So, yeah. And then the only way for you to really get it when you're, you know, graduating from college is, is to start early. But the problem is, you know, a lot of the, these kids, as smart as they are, don't have the tools to properly manage it and you end up getting in trouble. So you have a credit profile, um, but it may not be too great. And, you know, if you don't, to rent that apartment or to lease that car could be very expensive. So where, where do you see credit unions fitting in into grain? I think, you know, one thing when we, when we think about credit unions is our shared um, mission in being sort of user uh, and member first. They represent sort of a trust and the concept of better rates than banks and better services and member culture that really jives with what we're trying to do, right? Where we're trying to build a platform of trust and service um, that is user-oriented, right? And so, you know, the way we see working with institutions, credit unions in particular, because of sort of their mission statement is essentially to be that that institution in the background like our other partners that hold those deposits and underwrite that credit for those users like our existing um, partners do now. The, the benefits to the credit unions is currently that, that market share belongs to the top three and that market share is getting more and more inequitable, right? I don't know how many years ago, but I think a couple of years ago, the community banks and credit unions, smaller financial institutions held something like six, seven percent of, of deposits. Now it's like 2.2 percent. Um, and all of those deposits are going to those 
um, large institutions. And what we want to do is we want to recapture some of those profits and, and bring them back to our partners because we are specifically targeting those big institutions to sort of be the credit provider for their their customer and also be their their customers um, main mechanism for saving in an account with grant and so ultimately what that does is it benefits our partners particularly the smaller institutions that we're working with who don't have to develop the technology to compete with the big banks they can you know participate in that growth uh, that you know emerging technology is bringing um, by working with Frank. Well, that's you know one of the the knocks against credit unions from young people is, and I've heard this in focus groups. Oh, credit unions don't have the cool technology that Chase has. Uh, grain is kind of cool technology. This is the kind of thing where, well, geez, we got this. Yeah, and that's exactly that's exactly right. You know, when you when you think about when you talk about young people and and how they view sort of who they're banking, who they're going to bank with technology is at the forefront, the convenience of technology. Um, and, and to your point, you know, the basic functionalities, a lot of these smaller institutions have them, um, but, you know, those basic functionalities aren't what's exciting anymore, right? Um, the market is moving very, very fast. And in order to keep up, you really do need a, a, a chase type budget to be ahead of the market, not where it is now. And so um, while a lot of institutions have sort of that baseline functionality, I think to your point that that new, interesting, exciting technology that is sort of being uh, advertised to them in the spaces where they already are um, provides a benefit to those smaller institutions, and, and that's what we bring. So would you bring any income to them, or what's the deal? Do you see yourself bringing uh, members to them? At the top line, we're going to be bringing members to our partners, right? We want to take that that customer that is a Bank of America customer and through Grain make them a customer of our partner, right? Um, that's that's one, and that sort of helps level the playing field in terms of, of market share and recapture some of those profits. On the other end is through the the net interest income um, from those credit advances, those are shared with our partners as well, right? And so they're maintaining those accounts. Um, we're the front facing in terms of the technology that's in the user's hands, um, and they share in the net interest that um, we realize from those credit advances. Before we go, the CU 2.0 podcast is looking for a few good sponsors to help us spread the word about the digital transformation of credit unions. You could be one of them. Contact Robert McGarvey for details at rjmcgarvey at gmail.com. First come, first served. Again, that's rjmcgarvey at gmail.com. Now for a good word from a sponsor. You wish you could profitably make low-cost payday loans to help out members in need. Stop wishing, start acting. Check out QCash an automated payday loan provider created by credit union people for credit union members. It's out of Washington State Employees Credit Union. Good stuff. Check it out. QCash, www.q-cash.com. Your members just may thank you. What are credit unions for? Helping good people out of jams. QCash just may be your solution. That's www.q-cash.com. The CU 2.0 Podcast.